0: If you would, turn to Romans chapter 12. And while you're turning there, um, we did have a fantastic, fantastic trip. I want to again express thanks uh, to this community for s- several things. One, for allowing me to be a part of that. Uh, I feel like I'm an uh, eighth year intern and I uh, love it. Every year getting to do another internship, every year getting to go learn again uh, in a different context. And I would encourage you, if you have uh, in any way thought about doing the internship, have uh, wondered if it's for you, have questioned how does God want to use me in the world, uh, how does he want to use me in vocation, how does he want to use me in the church, then I would encourage you, come talk to me, talk to one of the interns, I'd love to sit down with you, uh, grab coffee and talk about what it's all about and uh, ways that the internship would be geared to really, in many ways, change your life. So. See us, talk to us, uh, we'd love to, to tell you more about it. If you are in Romans 12, then you're where you need to be. We're back in the book of Romans this week. Uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, history of where we've been the last several weeks. Uh, about three weeks back or so, we talked about uh, not being conformed, but rather being transformed. We specifically addressed the idea of neuroplasticity and elbow learning. The idea that if we can sit at the elbow of our master, if we can be there and learn in a mentor kind of apprentice type role with Jesus, that then our very life can change because we begin to act our way into a new way of being, into a new way of thinking, right? So being transformed in our mind comes as we act and live out our very faith, right? Right? So we talked about that, then we moved to the next week to the idea of our default settings. That at the core of who we are, naturally we think about self. Before anybody else, before serving someone else, our natural inclination is to think either too much of ourselves or too less of ourselves, but the idea is we're always thinking about self. And so we talked about how God wants to address that, and by His grace, And how he speaks into our life with grace that we can uh, live and operate differently. Last week, we talked about Easter. Sunday, where we uh, had a chance to ask ourselves the question, where in our life do we need to be resurrected? And will God come alongside of us? And will we allow him to come alongside of us and author or co-author our lives with us? And this week, we're going to talk about a fascinating subject. We're going to talk about the subject of salad. How many of you like salad? Yes. Well done. Well done. Growing up, uh, and here's why I'm fascinated with salad. Growing up, I did not care for the uh, leafy, greeny, vegetable kind of salad at all. I had no interest. But my interest has dramatically changed on the subject of salad. Let me explain why. Okay? Um, I, I... Went from getting, uh, I was at the place where I would hate it. I would beg my parents not to have to eat it. It would be at a meal, and I'd be like, oh, not salad again. I hate salad, right? And I would pour so much ranch dressing on it that you couldn't even know that there was salad in it, right? I would just hide all of the flavor in the midst of uh, some really super fatty ranch dressing, right? And, and that was my way of getting through salad, and it was kind of like get through it and then get on to the good stuff, right? And that's the particular way that I viewed it. But I've come to understand a few truths about salad that uh, have changed my understanding of salad and really my understanding of the church so here's a couple first truth okay first truth about salad not it's not a salad a salad is not a salad unless it's combined okay salad is not a salad unless it's combined what I mean by that is if you just have a bowl of tomatoes it's not a salad it's gross it's just a bowl of tomatoes okay (laughs) If, if you're gnawing on a cucumber you can't call it a salad right it's until everything is mixed together, until you put it all in one bowl, until you toss it, mix it up, and, and then you have a salad, right? In fact, the very definition, I looked it up on Wikipedia, just to make sure, a salad is a cold dish of various mixtures of raw or cooked vegetables, usually seasoned with oil, vinegar, or other dressings. So a salad is not a salad unless it's combined, truth number two about salads that I learned. A house salad is barely a salad, okay? A house salad is barely a salad, okay? Uh, here's what I mean. If you, This is a picture of what I, growing up, thought a salad was. Basically, some green stuff, maybe a cherry tomato or a little wedge of tomato on the side, and then enough ranch dressing that you don't taste any of it, right? That was my version of a salad. No real color except green, basically just a pile of leaves, Okay? And if you were lucky, if you were lucky, somebody left bread out for too long, it got really dry, they cut it up and called it croutons and threw it on top. Okay? That's if you were lucky. Right? That's what I envisioned as a salad growing up. But my taste for salad has uh, qu- changed quite a bit. And here's why. On top of that, the opportunities to create your salad are almost endless. Let me give you a few. I realized that you could add vegetables that go beyond carrots and tomatoes and a cucumber. You could add all kinds of varieties of peppers, yellow, red, orange, green, the list goes on and on. You could add spinach, it doesn't just have to be that nasty iceberg lettuce, which is basically the part of the lettuce nobody wants to eat anyway, and then they put it in a salad. Uh, you could add onion. It had corn, cabbage, sprouts, radishes, peas. The, I mean, the vegetable variety, insane. Okay? On top of that, I mean, I used to just eat it with vegetables until one day I noticed that somebody put fruit on it. Fruit. Of a whole other world. A whole other world of salads. Right? So we're talking not just tomatoes. We're talking like strawberries. Right? The stuff that people put on your ice cream sundae can also go on your salad, right? So, strawberries and blueberries and avocado and olives and apple and oranges. And I mean, now salad is bursting with flavor. Now, salad has so many options until I looked over at someone's and they had nuts in their salad. And I was like, you can add nuts, it changes the texture you got almonds, walnuts, peanuts, sunflower seeds. I mean, again, it just keeps going and going. So many options. Cashews even, right? And then, Kevin, okay? Kevin doesn't even count at a salad unless you put meat on it, okay? So now you have a whole nother variety, right? You've got turkey and chicken and steak and salmon and lamb and pepperoni and salami and ham and can't forget bacon. I mean, we got so many, right? So many options. We have flavor on top of flavor. You get the idea, right? A, a house salad is barely a salad. When you start thinking of all the variety, all the opportunity for flavor. And this got me thinking. The salad, the church. The church is like a salad. Here's why. Romans. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So in many ways, I believe the church is like a salad, and I just want to explain a few of them, okay? Number one individualism is not an option. Individualism is not an option. The text says this, For as in one body we have many members, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. See, individualism, I think, is the antithesis to the concept of one body, or in our case, one salad. Okay? Individualism implies this. It implies autonomy, self-reliance. In many ways, I think those ideas are some of the prevailing uh, delusions of our society, where we believe in many ways we can live life independent of anyone else, completely self-reliant, completely uh, on our own. And we get this idea, and I think it's a growing idea in the church, that I can be a part of the church, but not really need the church at all. That I don't even have to contribute, I don't have to be a part in any way, but the truth is that a salad is not a salad unless it's combined. What I mean is that you are not in the church unless you're mixed in with the church. You might say you're a Christian, but if you're a Christian that's not a part of the salad, a part of the body, a part of the church, then you're not really in the church, right? You're not really a part of the body of Christ the way that we're called to. See, so what Paul is saying in this section of Scripture is this so that when our mind is renewed the text says that we come to get a sober thinking of ourselves in line with the idea that we are all members of one body so part of what it means to have a renewed mind is understanding the truth that individualism is not a part of an option or not an option for the body of Christ that we who have a renewed mind or begin should begin to view ourselves as members of Christ's body. To go even a step further, that means that your identity, your individualism, your personality is best defined, understood, nuanced within the body of Christ. That's where you discover it. It's where you experience it. It's all in relationship to Christ. You are a part of me. I am a part of you. We are a part of each other. That's why individualism is not an option. Okay, number two. Each ingredient brings a different flavor. Each ingredient brings a different flavor. The text says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, having gifts, a little later on it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. In another version, it says it this way, but having grace gifts according to the grace which has been given us, pause, different, the word different, Okay? So a couple ideas in this, this section. First of all, the text says that all of the gifts that are given are given in grace. Every one of them. Which means they're given, not earned. It also means that you can't be prideful about the gift that you have, nor can you live in shame with the gift that you have. It doesn't matter how big your gift is, how small your gift is, if it's a gift that's not glamorous if it's one that you, uh, you think is really worthy of respect, none of that matters because you didn't earn it. It was simply given. And it's a gift of grace, meaning that it was given out of love, it was given graciously, it was given uh, for you to be used. Okay. So first of all, it's a gift. Second of all, the emphasis of the passage is clearly on the word or the idea, different. Different. That all gifts... Have been given with difference. And that means allotment. That means diversity. That means uh, the distribution of them. Right? That all members have different gifts. They all have different functions. Every one of us has been created uniquely. With gifts and personality. And each of us is intended to serve a different role. With a different flavor. So to keep our little salad metaphor going. A salad can either be, as I was describing earlier, a flavor explosion in your mouth, or it could just be a house salad. Okay? So what I would argue is that much of the church today leaves a bad taste in its mouth because what it lacks is the gifts that bring it flavor. What it lacks is the gifts that bring it flavor. So the church, for a while, universal or local, has been criticized for several things. I made a little list. A lack of creativity, being inward focused, not making a noticeable difference in society, being largely ineffective. That's the criticism that's lay, uh, like sent toward the church. And all of you might have a different opinion of whether that is true or not. My opinion is it's completely true. Those things are absolutely true in the body of Christ. But here's one of the reasons why I think that's the case. One of the reasons is because we as the church are a bunch of house salads. We are. What we have is the lettuce doing its job, sitting there on the bottom, hanging out, being leafy. We add some tomatoes, maybe some cherry tomatoes on top that are doing the work. And then... What we do as the church is we go, that's all we got. So we just pour a bunch of ranch. The church leadership pours ranch on top and then gives you a fork and goes, there you go. Have it. That's what we're offering to the world around us. We're offering them house salad. And it's because all of the flavor in the church, all that makes the church interesting the fruit, the nuts, all of it, the meat, the cheese, Everything that you go, oh man, I would love to add that to my salad. That's the part that's missing in the church. All the things that give it flavor. All the things that make it interesting. I mean, could you imagine what the church would look like if everyone, with all of our unique flavor, diversity, our unique gifts, abilities, personality, responsibility, all gave in a way that served the church? The church would be exceptional. The church would be amazing. But instead, what we have is a salad that lacks all of the variety of ingredients. We have a body that lacks all of the members that allow it to function correctly. And across the world, that's the case. It's not just the case here, I think it's across the world. I've been in conversations with people before that say this they go, Well, I understand that all the body is needed, but let's be honest, we don't need both kidneys. True. You're correct. We don't. Right. And there are other parts of our body we could probably cut off, extract, that we don't need, probably, right, to survive. But that's not the point, right? That's not the point. So the point isn't whether or not a salad can exist without all of the things on top. The point is, what kind of salad would that even be? It wouldn't even be a salad worth eating. It wouldn't even be interesting. It wouldn't provide change. It wouldn't... Just show the world the diversity that the church is. Which brings me to the third point that your gift requires action. Your gift requires action. The text says it this way Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, what Paul does is he includes a list of some of the gifts. The reason I say some of the gifts is because there's also lists in Ephesians 4. There's lists in 1 Corinthians 12. You see throughout the scripture, Paul giving us lists of the gifts that are of the Spirit that could be used in the church. But here's the other reason I think it's not an exhaustive list. Paul lists seven items here. The number of perfection in Scripture. What he's saying is, if the body of Christ was in perfection, it would look like these seven and so much more. This would just be a small sliver. It would give you an idea that, man, if you're good at encouraging people, encourage people. They need it. We need it. If you're good at giving, contributing, give generously. If you're good at serving, keep serving. He's just listing a few with the number seven, to show that this could be perfect. This could be ideal. But it's just a simple list. And the biggest command that he gives here is this little phrase, let us use them. Let us use them. Now I want to state this very clear because I think it's an important part in the text, that if you read this section of Romans together, you will notice that Paul says this, if you have a renewed mind, you will understand That you are a part of the body of Christ. If you understand that you are a part of the body of Christ. Then you understand that you have been given a gift. If you understand that you have been given a gift. Then you must understand that you are to use it. Period. Period. That means. Said another way. That the Spirit's gifts. Come to us. As assignments. Of responsibility within the church of God. That you are given, when you are given a gift, a responsibility within the church of God. Within the body of Christ. But here's why. Okay, so all of us have a responsibility. All of us have a commitment. All of us have a gift. At least one, the text goes on to say, right? Why? He answers that question in Ephesians 4. He says this. That you've been given a gift to equip the saints for the work of the ministry... Okay, to pour into the body of Christ. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. For the strengthening of the body of Christ. For the, the, uh, the effort that's poured in changes the dynamic of the body of Christ. Is what he's saying. Why would we want that? He goes on to say, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What he's saying is this if you exercise your gift, if you use it for the sake of the body, if you fulfill the assignment you've been given, then the body of Christ is made strong. We reach unity, the unity that Daniel was talking about earlier in the prayer of Christ, that we grow in our knowledge of God and that we get to the place where we can say we are growing in maturity and ultimately will reflect the fullness of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a powerful, why statement. All of that can happen, the text is saying, in Ephesians and also here, if we participate in the body of Christ to help others grow. It means that if you participate, if you serve, if you use your gift, whatever gift you're given, I'll, I'll go as far as to say this, you are under obligation to use it. The text is that strong, that you are under obligation to use it to serve God's people. Now, I'm not saying that it has to happen within these four walls, right? The body of Christ is broad, it's expansive, but I am also saying it has to happen in these four walls. It's a both and, right? It's a both and. That our responsibility within the universal body of Christ is to serve the body of Christ, both universally And locally. I'll give you another strong statement. I'm into strong statements this morning. God holds you as a member of the body partially responsible for the growth of the church regardless of the size of your gift. Let me say that again. God holds you as a member of the body partially responsible for the growth of the church regardless of the size of your gift. That's a, I mean, that's a, tough, that's a tough pill to swallow. It should be. Just like a leader is responsible for the culture of the organization, just like a coach would be responsible for the culture of the team that performs, that acts, that works together, what this text is saying is that you and I are responsible for the culture of growth within the church as you use your gift. That the church will only reach the maturity that God desires for it if we are all contributing. Which means we are all partly responsible for the growth, the development, the maturity, and the effectiveness of the church. I mean, that's a huge statement to us as the church. That's what Paul is saying. So clearly in this text and others. So I'll make it really, really personal to us. Okay? Any church that lacks complete involvement of all of the body, of all the salad, is a church that's lacking. Correct? Can we agree to that? That means, I'm going to go out on an even bigger limb, make it even more personal. New community is lacking. Right? New community is lacking. Unless I'm mistaken, and it's 100% involvement of everybody contributing all of their gifts and abilities to the the universal as well as local church blessing this city in some way with the flavor of gift that you've been given, then we as the church and we as this city are lacking. I mean, can you imagine just for a moment what new community would look like if every one of us contributed? Every one of us. I'll give you a little glimpse of what I think it would look like. It would look like we would have more than enough group leaders. We'd have group leaders sitting around going, man, I wish I had a group. But we, I mean, everybody's taken. We had so many, right? We would have an overabundance of people serving in the city. All of the nonprofits that we're connected with, they'd all be going, don't send us any more visitors. Don't send us any more volunteers. We are overwhelmed with another number of people that are serving. But no, the, the, the message board on every one of them is, we need volunteers. We need people who will help. We would uh, not be behind budget. If we all contributed financially, we would not be lacking for resources. I even said it uh, just a couple months ago when we were talking about the overall church budget. That if you look at it, we, we would triple, triple, our uh, amount of money that we can use to bless this city, if all of us made, I think, what was it, Kev? If we all made 15000 a year and we gave 10%, we would triple our budget. Triple it. Could you imagine what could happen in this city if that was the case? Or we would add to the number of ventures that we we're starting in this city. We'd perhaps plant another church. We'd start another nonprofit. We would find ways to begin new ministries in the church because new leaders with new gifts, new personality, new talents would come forward, and we'd be going, oh, let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. But see, my fear in saying all of this is not that this is the truth. My fear in saying it is that the wrong people will hear this message and be challenged and convicted by it. Here's what I mean. I, uh, for years, I was a youth pastor, and uh, I remember I would uh, try to give a talk that would connect or resonate with teens. I would do my best to, like, just uh, pour my heart out, and I remember giving a message and saying, like, man, we have to reach our schools for Christ. We have to reach our city for Christ. Like, what if every one of you shared your faith this week, next week, this month with someone? Well, imagine what could happen, Right? And I remember the, the kid who shared Christ with, like, everyone he met. Like, all, constantly telling people. What came forward at the end, okay, everyone else left, all go, go home, do whatever. He came forward, and he's going, will you help me share the gospel with more people? And I'm going, this is not for you. You're doing that. You're crushing it. Keep it up. Right? Or I would give a talk, you gotta love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you have to love them. And the kindest, sweetest, most gentle, loving teens would come forward crying and say, I just don't love people the way I should. And I'm going, you are, you're doing awesome. All you over here, you don't even love anyone it feels like, I'm talking to you, right? That's what I wanted to say, I'm like stop. We're missing it. So I'm telling you this morning, if you are already giving your resources to the new community, this is not to say give more. Go above and beyond. Like keep, if God convicts you in that way, do that. But what I'm saying is, if you're already giving 10% of your income here, great, give it somewhere else. Right? Meet, meet other needs as well. Okay? If you're already serving within this body, if you're giving time and you're committed and you're invested in people and you're loving those around you and you're using all those things listed, you're with with zeal, you're leading, you're serving, you're giving, you're loving, you're all the things, the seven things that were listed and beyond. If you're doing those things already within this community, in your small group, or, or in, in the city, or in this church, right? This is not a call. To say, you're already invested, keep investing. Do more to the point where you're going to burn out. Just keep going, going, going. This is not that message for you. Okay, you hear me? For all of you that would be sitting there, that in your spirit are hearing, you know, if I look at it, I haven't been giving at all. I haven't been serving. I didn't sign up. I I haven't given anything any of my resources, time, energy, emotion, away to the body of Christ. This is for you. To say, today, start. Right? We need you. We need you. Absolutely. The people who are already giving financially, when they hear of a need, they keep giving. That's amazing. We want that to continue. But what we want is for those of you who haven't been, to start for those of you that haven't that you're amazing with kids and yet you're not back in kids community at some point once a month once every other month if you ask Julie she'd say every week but every now and then right go serve love on kids love on kids because that changes not just their lives it changes our schools Ultimately, it changes the city. That each of you, all of us, myself included, have gifts to offer. And what this passage is calling us to do is to offer them, right? To give them as a gift. In fact, Paul says, a living sacrifice. To say what, my, what is mine or what you've given me is yours. It's all yours. So I'd encourage you. Uh, I think, did everyone get a card at some point? If not, there's, there's some cards that were made. And they're going to come around. I'm not going to give you time right now to fill them out. But the card that comes around, here's what I want to encourage you to do with it. If you are already serving and you feel like you're in the place within the church, within the city that you go, Man, I just love what I'm doing. I would say, keep doing it. Keep doing it. If you are serving whether in this place or somewhere else, and you're saying to yourself, man, I'm glad that I'm serving. I want to be faithful in it, but I don't enjoy it. Then I would tell you this. You're probably not serving in the right area. Mark something down on this, and we'll find a way to allow you to serve in an area where God has gifted you, blessed you, and you get excitement and energy from. Okay? I would also say, for the third group of people, if you have not in any way started to begin to use the gift that the church needs. Not just local, not just right here in this room, but even beyond. Put that sign up today and start to put it into action. If it's not in this room, if you're saying, well, I, I want to serve at Cup of Cool Water, I want to serve at Youth for Christ, I want to serve at Young Life, I wanna, then go to their website today and find out how to serve. If there's some other ministry that you go, man, I really I want to be a part of this and I want to be a part of that, awesome. We want that. God wants that. But for all of us, let's lean into this. You have a gift God wants to use, and it's the only thing, really, that makes the salad interesting. And I, I don't want to be, and I don't want a new community be blamed for being a house salad. There's so much flavor. Let's enjoy it. All right, let's pray.